So we're going to read some scripture. I'll make some remarks, and then we're going to we're going to you know sing a little bit more in a bit, and we're going to those who 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 need a healing, need a touch. We're going to all gather down front, and uh, not necessarily like in a healing line. All right, just all gathered down here. Whoever wants to come, you don't even have to. You don't even need to have to have a healing. You can come. And just we're just going to sing and get in His presence, and then then I'll begin to lay hands on you, praise God, as the Lord leads me. How's that? Does that sound good? Something a little different. I like doing something different. Uh, I got some some remarks here. This is called Jesus at Your Service. How many believe He's here by the Holy Spirit? man and he's always here to do the same things he did in bible days he said something before he left how many believe the last thing somebody says before they're going away for a long time is important you know the last instructions right and uh he said something before he left he said go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everybody. And he said, uh, when the gospel is preached, basically he said it this way, my paraphrase, all right? I'll be there by the Holy Spirit to work the same miracles and healings and deliverance that I did in Bible days. How That's our crusade version of uh, our evangelistic campaign version of that verse. Mark 16, you know. And he said, uh, these signs will follow them that believe. And And he said, one of them is they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. How many remember that? And then he said um, that the Bible says that he, you know, he, he was ascended. And, and it says, they went everywhere, the Lord working with those who preach the gospel Amen, to do the same signs and wonders. Thank you, Jesus. So he's here tonight because we've been, pro, we've been proclaiming the gospel all day. I mean, we've been telling the good news all day here. And we've been singing the good news. This is the good news place today. And so in the good news place, Jesus is here to do the same thing. That he did in Bible days. Amen. Mark ten forty six through 52. I'm reading this from the uh, Common English Translation. C-E-B. Common English Bible. I like there's something, the way it's written that helps us understand. Did you know, you probably know this. Your pastor, I'm sure, has told you. But I'll reiterate it that the King James Version of the Bible is not the anointed version. You understand. Now, it's good, and there's parts of it. Sometimes there's things the way it's said that I like, you know, the best. But, you know, one, one person said, well, if the King James Bible was good enough for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's good enough for me. Well, they got their history a little bit upside down. Amen. But, uh, you know, the, it's, it, it's the uh, spirit 
of the word that counts. Amen. So there's just more than one way to say something. And sometimes another translation will will give us light that we don't get, you know, from something we're more familiar. All right. So if you'll if you'll grant me that freedom, Jesus here, it says, Mark 1046, Jesus and his followers came into Jericho as Jesus was leaving Jericho together with his disciples and a sizable crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. Blind Bart. Timaeus' son was sitting beside the road. Now remember, he's a beggar. I don't know, you know, you travel. We, we, my wife and I, we travel all over the world. Uh, some of the nations we travel to are poor countries. They're, uh, they're called, uh, you know, the correct term now is developing nations. They used to be called third world countries, and that uh, sometimes carries with it a negative you know, connotation. So they're called developing nations, and they're trying hard to overcome a lot of their problems. But you'll certain places you'll still find a lot of beggars, folks sitting just right on the street, begging. I can tell you that in every culture, including this one that this scripture is written about, in every culture, the beggar is the lowest man on the totem pole. Do you understand that? Socially, the beggar, no one's lower than the beggar. No one's dirtier than the beggar. Now think about it, because you're sitting down at street level all the time. A lot of these places where they're begging, and it was true there, you know, they're dirt streets, so you get dirty pretty fast, right? So the beggar is blind, he, he's poor, he's dirty, uh, he's probably, just to be honest, somewhat of an embarrassment to those who are escorting VIPs into their town. Because here's Jesus, he's famous by then, and everybody's going, now make way, make way, make way, here's the famous man. So you don't want the most famous visitor, VIP, the VIP. You don't want the VIP to be held up by the blind beggar. Just be quiet. They told him. It's gonna, we're going to read that in a minute, right? They said, be quiet. You're embarrassing us. Actually, would have been happy if he'd have been moved somewhere, probably. You understand that? How many understand what I'm talking about? This guy is not on the greeting committee. And that's who we're dealing with here. You need to know that. We read these verses, and it's like religious words, and we, yes, praise the Lord, but we don't really get it. I want you to get a picture of this guy. Homeless man, beggar man, dirty. He doesn't, ad- he doesn't have adequate anything, especially hygiene. And that's who we're dealing with, all right? You got the picture? How many can see him? Well, I want you to see him there. He's blind. Blind beggar named Bartimaeus. Timaeus' son was sitting beside the road. Of course, that's where he sits to beg. When he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was there, Jesus was famous by then. People knew about his miracles. He began to shout. Oh, now the blind beggar is shouting. The crazy man is shouting. 
Jesus, son of David, and I love the way this was written in this translation, show me mercy. Show me something. Show me something. Show me mercy. And I'm going to tell you why he's calling for mercy. Many scolded him. Now, you've got to remember that when, when this story is taking place, the only righteousness and right standing or any standing with God that anybody understands is the righteousness that comes from law-keeping. There's, there's pecking order with this. There's a caste system that's developed. Do you understand that? You've got the, the high priest and the, the, the rulers of the synagogues, and you've got the, the Pharisees, you understand, the professional law-keepers. They have the chief seats in the synagogue. They have the most beautiful garments. The others are pushed aside so they can walk through. You understand? There is a hierarchy here. There is a pecking order. And those who are at the bottom of the heap, which is the majority of people, they are considered almost like in a caste system, like an, uh, like an Indian from India, Indian caste system. They're like the lowest of the low. You understand that? Nobody regards them. They figure if they're poor and they're sick and they're in need, that somebody has sinned, there's no, there, there's no mercy for them. It's like, well, you need to get busy or doing the law and the blessings will come. You know, that spirit's still in the world today. Did you know it's that spirit's in some churches? Some people will be attacked physically and people will begin to wonder, what sin did they commit? You remember the man that was brought to, to Jesus blind and they asked that question. Who has sinned that this man be born blind? Was it him or his parents? Who was it? Aunt Myrtle. Who sinned here? What's, what sin, what generational curse has to be broken well, you know, Jesus said, uh, not that anybody has sinned. You're going to see the glory today. He said, let's focus on the miracle. Glory to God. So this guy is saying, son of David, show me mercy. Why? Now, see, you understand that in the, that old covenant system, there's not a whole lot of mercy I mean, you've got keep the law. When that fails, you've got the sacrifice. That's it. You've got to have something to bring to God. What does blind beggar have to bring to God? I'm just asking. I love this, I love this story. Because it shows us God's grace. And it shows us He's done everything. And He's doing everything. Amen. This guy needs a total miracle, doesn't he? You're talking total makeover like we talked about this morning. He's got to have a total makeover. He needs everything. He needs righteousness. He needs he needs status with God. He needs healing, right? He needs a miracle. He's blind. Some people say blind as a bat. 
Well, no, at least a bat can see at night. He can't see any time. That's blinder than a bat. See that old man right there? He's blind as a bat. Well, that's good. He can see at night. He should get a night job. He can see. Blind as a bat. This guy's blinder than a bat. He's blind. He's blind. He can't work. That's why he can't work because he's blind, you know, and he's sick and he's poor and he doesn't have anything and he's he's at the bottom of the heap of humanity. Nobody likes him. He's an embarrassment. He's dirty. He gets spit on. He gets He gets cursed. He's not in good shape. Now, he's got to bring, well, bring your seed to the Lord. What seed's he got? He ain't got no seed. He doesn't have anything to bring to God. Nothing. He has nothing to give. You know who blind Bartimaeus is? He is the representative of all of mankind standing before a just and holy God. That's who Bartimaeus is. You and I are Bartimaeus. Because, see, the Pharisees thought, the Pharisees thought they had something to bring to God. We're going to see that in Luke 18 in a minute. How they believed. I'm going to show you a typical Pharisee and how he thought. They thought they had something, but all of their righteousness from good works, God viewed as filthy rags. So, really, the whole of humanity is like blind Bartimaeus. But Bartimaeus may have been poor and blind and dirty and, and you know, sick, but he wasn't stupid. And he knew that Jesus had what it took for his need to be met. He knew that Jesus had everything and he had nothing. And if he's getting his miracle today, he's going to ask Jesus for something that only he can give. And that's mercy. And you're talking about faith in Christ alone. He knows I've got to put all of my eggs in this basket. This is my one chance, my one shot. I've got to have all of my faith in this because I have nothing to add to it. The minute we realize I have nothing to add to my healing, it's all Christ. It's not how long I've been standing and confessing and praising and dancing and whatever. Giving up this and that. It's not that. You don't lint your way to victory. Well, I promised the Lord if He'd heal me. Too late for the deal. It's over. He already did it. You can't make deals. You ever notice somebody that's given up something for Jesus and they, they're not happy about it either? <laughs> well, I used to do that, but I gave it up for the Lord. I can see you haven't. You know, they're, 
No, the Lord didn't tell me to give it up. Well, I gave up cigarettes. Yeah, you found the donut box too, didn't you? People stuffing two donuts in their mouth at a time. I tell you, out of these people that smoke, they're going to hell. It's in their hair, you know. (laughs) Praise God. We like to judge people on how they sin differently than us. Is that the truth? Yeah, no, it's sad but true. Jesus, Son of David, show me mercy, because I ain't got anything to show you. If I get anything, you're going to have to give it all to me. I depend totally. He absolutely got himself up and threw himself on the mercy of God. That's what we all have to do. That's how we get saved. You don't come to the Lord recounting how great you are. Well, I've kept four of the Ten Commandments. I give to the Red Cross. I return my books in time, on time in the library. I post posters for stray dogs and cats. I'm a pretty good person. I help old ladies across the street. No, no, whether, whether you're just kind of a basically nice person or basically not so nice person, we all stand in front of judgment, totally condemned, except for one thing, and that is the finished work of the cross, which is the supply of God's grace and mercy to this lost and dying world. Amen. So we have nothing. I ain't got nothing. Paul said, if any man has cause to boast, I more. Right? Y'all getting anything out of this? Paul said, you want to hear a pedigree? That's pretty good stuff. You know, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I was circumcised on the eighth day. You know, I, I, you know all the things. Remember, there's seven things there. And I won't take time to go through that. It's another meeting. But, you know, he's got seven things that he's, that he's proud of. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. You know, all these things. He said, if any man has caused a tribe of Benjamin, if any man has caused to boast, I more. And he said, I count it all as dung. Do you know what that means? Dung? Well, you don't want a whole lot of it on your shoe getting in the car. calls it dumb. These people get up, you know, talk about, well, I've been, a, I've been saved for 75 years, and, you know, I grew up in the sanctified church, and I, you know, and I've never, you know, cigarettes have never, t- I don't smoke, I don't know why I'm on that, but it's just kind of funny to me. But, you know, cigarettes have never touched these lips. <laughs> Curse words have never rolled off the tongue. That's their pedigree. They're standing on that. They're going to tell God all that when they get to heaven. Now here, in case you've lost the records, here's my record. Then we sing, I know my record. We'll be there. 
pathetic. Well, we're going to see what God, what Jesus thought of that. So he says, Jesus, son of David, show me mercy. He says he shouted it. Many scolded him, telling him to be quiet. You're embarrassing everybody. Calm down. But he shouted even louder, because none of them's done anything for him, except throw him some coins. Somebody probably leaned over and said, God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> right? Now, you know, when you're really down and out, that really encourages you, doesn't it? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you lost your job, and, you know, the chips are down in life, and, you know, everybody's left you. You think you don't have any friends. And then the one person that you reach out to says, well, you know, <laughs> the Lord helps those who help themselves. Thank you. Do you have a razor blade I can borrow? <laughs> I was discouraged. Now I'm suicidal. Thank you for helping me over the edge. I think I'll kill you while I'm at it. Why not? <laughs> what have I got to lose? <laughs> Might as well be a murder-suicide. Really make the news. I'm trying, sister. I'm trying. He shouted, shouted even louder, Son of David, show me mercy. Now, Jesus heard it at that point. He stopped and said, call him forward. Okay, now the guy that is at the bottom of the heap socially is now at the front of the line. Interesting. A lot of, lot of symbolism here. When you call, when you finally, when you get over yourself, folks, we as believers, we need to get over ourselves. Get over, well, my faith. Don't ever say that again. Shut up. I'm kidding, kind of. But like for real, my faith. I asked one preacher, this guy got healed, a friend of ours, he got healed of some terminal thing, supposed to die. And he said, I got his healing, 100%. I said, how would you get it? He said, I had to get delivered from my faith. I understand that. Because he's dependent on his faith, how much he's confessed it, how long he said it. I said, I never said a bad word about it. I always was encouraged. I, jam I jumped for joy. I leaped, I, you know, I, whatever. I ran through a troop and jumped over a wall. And, I, you know, I've done all the things. And he said, it, it, no, it wasn't working. He's getting sicker and dying by the minute. He said, I had to get delivered, and I had to come to God, and I had to say, I give up. That's what we do when we get saved. We come to the foot of the cross, and we say, I give up. I give up trying to be nice, trying to be a good person, trying to keep the Ten Commandments, trying to do everything right. I give up. I'm a failure. I admit it. I, I depend and reach out. Two, the only thing that can help me is the love of God. Folks, that works for salvation. It works for healing. It works for prosperity. 
preach. Preach, preacher. Hallelujah. I get excited. This man is, I tell you, reaching out to God's love and mercy and grace will put you at the head of the line. That's real faith. When you say, I'm reaching out to Jesus. There was a woman with the issue of blood. She did the same thing. She got, she was pressed behind. And she came. And all of a sudden, Jesus is talking face to face to her. And so she says, he says, Jesus stopped. He said, call him forward. Stop this nonsense, you know. They called the blind man. And, he's, and, and, and and now the same people that told him to shut up, it's like it was their idea. Don't you love? They're politicians, all of them. Be encouraged. Get up. He's calling you. Same people. Throwing his coat to the side. Why? Now that coat, you've heard this before probably. The, um, this is not a new new message. Throwing his coat to the side. Why, why is that important? Why is that in the Bible? It seems trivial, doesn't it? Because that coat was his, like his uniform. The society had given him a special, like a license to beg. You had to apply or something. At the beggar office. The Department of Begging had to give him an approval slip, you know, to do it, right? So... They've given him this special coat that beggars wore that let them know he was, a, you know, an official beggar, I guess. And it's interesting, isn't it, that he threw his coat to the side because he knew he wouldn't be needing it anymore. That's faith. Now, I got a story to tell you about a woman in our meeting in uh, Kettering, Ohio. Anybody know where that is? Kettering, Ohio. This is by Dayton. And uh, I'm going to tell you a story about a woman that will bless you here. But he throws, same idea. But anyway, he throws that coat aside because he's not going to use it anymore. Right? Somebody, somebody... Somebody today would have gotten that coat and said, now use wisdom, brother. We went from being the faith camp to the caution wisdom camp. Now we can have faith, but we need to use wisdom with it. Don't want to get too far out there. So you might want to keep it just in case your healing doesn't manifest. At least you still got your begging you can count on. Hallelujah. See, with people like that, who needs the devil? He could retire. Don't need the devil say, oh, my job's done. Praise the Lord. The church has taken over. He throws his coat to the side because he ain't going to use that anymore. Why? Because he's tired of being the blind beggar. Blind Bart. He's tired of it. 
He said, this is it. I ain't going to be blind anymore. I am not going to beg anymore. Enough's enough. The day comes. Now, you need to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. As long as you're willing to accept a situation, it'll probably stay there. Well, it's fine, Lord. You know, you don't have to heal me. Just give me grace to bear it. Well, you don't know anything about grace, if that's what you're saying. So, he throws his coat, he jumps up, and comes to Jesus. Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, teacher, I want to see. Now, remember I told you the title of this little message is Jesus at Your Service. Huh? I want you to see this. I want you to look at these two men. Jesus is standing here. He is the divine Son of God. He's, 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 he's in His role, earthly role here, but He's still very much God, very much the Son of God. Amen? He's standing there. Jesus is the most royal of any person that's ever set foot on this planet. Roy, he, amen? After the order of Melchizedek, all that. Jesus is everything, right? Is there anybody more royal, more regal, more important to this planet than Jesus Christ? That's who's talking to the man that's the lowest man on the totem pole. And Jesus is standing here, hallelujah, like with a silver tray saying, what can I do for you? Nobody had ever done anything for blind Bartimaeus. Nobody had ever served him or given him anything. Oh, sure, the, the ruler of the synagogue or... Somebody like that, you know, they got people falling over themselves to serve him. But nobody serves blind Bartimaeus. And here's Jesus, the highest of human existence that's ever walked the earth. Tempted in all points, yet without sin. Totally favored of God. Totally clean, totally pure, totally, totally supplied for and totally perfect. I don't believe Jesus had a flaw in his body because he's the spotless lamb. And in every way, Jesus was perfect. Amen. Physically, spiritually, every way, mentally sharp, right? He's standing here in front of this dirty, blind beggar. Y'all listening? You get a picture of this. This is amazing. And he said, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, teacher, I want to see. Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has healed you. And as he went, at once he was able to see. And he began to follow Jesus in the way. Blind Bartimaeus had nothing. He had to depend 100% on God's supply. Now I want to read you this one little verse here. And then I'm going to tell you a couple of testimonies and we'll minister to you. All right? Praise God. Luke 18 is the same story, believe it or not. Verses 9 through 14. Let's just read quickly. Also from the Common English Bible translation. Jesus told this parable to certain people 
who had convinced themselves that they were righteous. <laughs> convinced themselves that they were righteous. <laughs> and who looked on everyone else with disgust. Don't you love them? Let's invite a bunch of, mo- a bunch of them over for the holidays. Two people went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Uh, or a publican, uh, 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 just a common man. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself, prayed about himself with these words. God, I thank you that I'm not like everybody else, crooks, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector here. I fast twice a week. This is every pastor's dream for this guy. I want this guy in the church. He's on the board. Give him three donuts if he wants them. I fast twice in a week. I give a tenth of everything I receive. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even lift up his eyes to look towards heaven. Rather, he struck his chest and said, God, show mercy to me, a sinner. I tell you, this person went down to his home, not just forgiven, folks, justified rather than the other, rather than the Pharisee. All who lift themselves up, in other words, by their own strength, will be brought low. And those who make themselves low will be lifted up. That tax collector, once again, he knew he has nothing good to bring to God. He's depending 100% only on God's grace and mercy. Isn't that wonderful? And what did he get out of it? Justification. Amen. I had a lady come to me one time and she says, I don't know something about you and your ministry. I just, I just, I just can't feel, I just keep feeling there's just something wrong. There's just something wrong. I said, sister, there's a whole lot wrong. I said, you are not discerning much. I said, there's a whole lot wrong. I said, you got three hours and I'll tell you everything that's wrong with me and my ministry. (laughs) Can you imagine? She thinks she's a, there's something wrong. Yeah, you got that right. That's what I told God when he called me to preach. You got, this is wrong. I don't know who told you what, but, you know. I did not want to be in the ministry. Are you kidding me? I said, no, I grew up in that. And now I'm a, on my own. I'll get away from all that. Are you? Golly. Really? I wasn't like, oh, I felt wonderfully called and I accepted it just so graciously. And I did not. I, I ran from it for a long time and I didn't want to do it. And I thought if I ignore it, this will go away. It's like, you know, gas or something. I just kind of burp and it'll pass. My dad was a preacher. I saw what preachers went through, man. I said, I ain't. I don't know. Are you kidding? I'm going to find something else to do. I was going to be a record producer. 
that's what I went to college to two years to be a record producer. I was going to be, you know, like produce records. Yeah. But the Lord had other plans and he won out. So praise the Lord. So, you know, there's, there's something wrong. You got that right? That's what I told the Lord years ago. I'm going to tell you two testimonies that will bless you. Can you see this, though? Can you see that these same two people, or they're the same person, Bartimaeus, and, 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 and uh, his whole life changed, right? We don't need to be sitting around telling God how great we are. We don't sing how great I art. Our ministry, you know, uh, we've had different phases of our ministry. One time we had quite a few people on staff in our ministry office in Tulsa. And uh, every, every now and then, you know, somebody on staff would get their feelings hurt. And they said, I'm not getting the credit I should get for this project, you know. Somebody else took the credit. And we'd all gather in their office and sing, You Deserve the Glory. <laughs> and we'd sing it, you know, just sing it out. For you are great, you know. <laughs> so that kind of calmed that down. Nobody wanted to have that sung to them. By the we'd get the whole staff. Okay, start. You deserve the glory and the honor. There's no one else like you. <laughs> Did you know? That like, you know, keeping trying to keep a bunch of rules and keeping track and being so proud of yourself. Did you know really what that is, is the height of idolatry. And Paul said, you who, you know, are, are, are keeping credit, you know, by law keeping. He said, you have become an enemy of the cross of Christ because you're competing. You're saying Jesus didn't need to shed so much blood for me. I didn't need so much saving, just a little saving. No, we're all all the same. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all stand in the same place. We all have the same need. We all have to, at the end of the day, say, all of Him and none of me. Glory to God. Let me show you the results of this. Remember Bartimaeus threw his garment away, right? He didn't want to be blind. Bartimaeus, beggar man anymore. He's sick of it. You ever gotten tired of, you know, maybe if you, if you, anybody here ever dealt with lack of anything? Sure, we all have. Lack of healing, lack of honor, lack of favor, lack of respect, lack of money, you know, lack of status in life. Anybody here ever dealt with, everybody does. But I'll tell you something about it. Um, It's a great day when you stand up and say, I'm not taking this anymore from life. I'm not going to be cast down anymore. I'm going to do. I'm going to. I'm not going to be that person. I'm going to. I'm going to straighten up here, and I'm going to start acting like somebody else. And before you know it, other people start treating you different. You know what I mean? You kind of have to respect yourself before anybody else is gonna. Yeah. Right. And so that's what Bartimaeus finally got tired of. It. Hey, I, I'm tired of being kicked and, and spit on, thrown the leftovers to. See, here's a, 
Here's a coin. See if you can buy a piece of bread with that. It's too much. Enough's enough. I love that. Enough's enough. Enough's enough. That's what you tell your kids, isn't it? Right before they almost like go through the wall. I'm telling you. One more time. Or don't make me have to come down there. Mine was in the station wagon, you know. My two boys are in the way back. How many know what the way back is? You know, the, the seat that you flip up and they face backwards, you know. They're back there fighting. One's picking on the other one. The big one's picking on the little one. And, then, and, I, and, it's, it, and I turned into my father. It was the craziest thing. All of a sudden, I'm transformed. Don't make me have to stop this car. You know. Now, they knew. They knew if the car stopped, and sometimes they just went on anyway, and the car stopped on the side of the road, and it got real quiet then. Uh-oh, we done pushed him over the edge. The old man's lost his marbles. He's coming back here. And there's the eyeballs, you know. What are you going to He's going to throw me in front of a semi. I just know it. Amen. Enough's enough, right? You've been picked on by the devil. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, honey sugar, baby. The devil, honey child, right? The devil does not feel sorry for you. Here's bad, shocking news. And it's like, I don't know what is happening to me. Well, he is not going to let up. Well, I guess I've tortured them enough. I'll leave them alone. No. He's coming to attack and to kill, and he doesn't, he's, a, he's a maniac. He's a psychopath. He's not happy till you're dead, till you're discouraged, till you're defeated, till you're smashed out. That's all he cares about. So I tell you what, just, just get over it. We're going to have to kind of straighten up sometimes and just say, hey, enough's enough. No further. Lying in the sand. Amen. I'm not going to be poor anymore. Not going to be sick anymore. Not going to be defeated. Hallelujah. And you get mad and you put a line and say, Well, I'm in Kettering, Ohio. I'm doing this meeting. Praise the Lord. It's a great meeting. We got how many remember the singing group, the Imperials? Anybody remember them, you know? From years back, they were they're really good. Well, they're singing. Their imperials are singing. I'm preaching. We're having camp meeting. Praise the Lord. Great meeting, you know. And a good-sized church, you know, uh, like 600, 600 seats, something like that. They're all full. That's their annual camp meeting in this church. And uh, there's this girl in the church. Now, I did notice her. You know, you're there a few days. You start noticing people. She's got uh, crutches, aluminum you know, or some kind of metal, and they're handles and cuffs. Anybody seen those kind? they got handles here, cuffs up here, kind of snap them on her arms, and then she, well, she really never completely walked, but what she'd do is she'd kind of just balance herself, throw those crutches forward, and then drag her, drag her legs, you know, and that's how she got around. It was, she's walking on her, on her arms, really. Think about that with her crutches. And then she's pulling those legs. She's about, we found out later after the testimony, 
She's about 22 years old, 23. She grew up in that church. You know what I mean? Her parents were members there when she was born. Now, the reason she's on these crutches, we found out later again after the testimony. She was born with spinal bifida. Anybody know what that is? The spinal cords outside the body, birth defect like a suitcase handle. And uh, so doctors, they're born and they're, some, of them, some of them don't even live. But those who do, the doctors will, you know, put an incision, tuck that spinal cord in, but they're messed up the rest of their life. You know, a lot of them are paralyzed. Others that aren't are partially paralyzed and just can barely walk. They're usually in wheelchairs. It's a problem. You understand that? Major problem. <laughs> so uh, she's one night. It's going to be the last night, the big healing night, the camp meeting. She's sitting in the back. They kind of got an area that you'd call it like a overflow room. And she's sitting back there, and they got some extra chairs. And uh, there's an associate pastor. He's in his 20s. He's doing what associate pastors do, especially at a special meeting. Boy, they're busy, those guys. You know, they're running around making sure there's a, you know, everything's going right. And uh, he's got, they got special guests there. It's just a lot of work for everybody. And he's running around, and... Uh, he goes past her, and she's sitting there with those crutches. Well, her and the crutches go together. I mean, you know, they've never seen her without them. And she stops him, and she said, Brother, he said, Yeah, now I'm busy. What do you need? She said, Would you take these, those crutches? This is a great testimony. Let me just tell you, it's a good one. Brace yourself. She says... He says, well, what do you want me to do? This, we, we, now, I don't know this is going on. This is told later, you know, after the miracle. We did have a miracle. And she says, take these crutches. He says, well, what, are they in your way? Do you want me to slide them under the row of the seats? Do you want me to stand them in the corner? What? You know, hurry, because I'm busy. The service is about to start. She said, I don't care what you do with them. She said, I'm not going to use them anymore. Because I've decided, she said, that tonight I'm walking down that aisle without them and I will never use them again. That's what she told him. And he saw the faith like the spark in her eye, like, you know, life. You know why? She's tired of being the spinal bifida girl. That everybody shakes their head and looks at and says, that poor thing. That gets old. She's tired of not doing anything normal. Everything being a struggle. Amen? And she'd had enough. This is so awesome. So, that's all I know. You know, later I found out that happened. And so I preached the message, you know, my amazing message. I'm kidding. And uh, I 
call for a healing line, you know, a, a regular, normal healing line. Just call for a healing line. Okay, everybody that wants to heal, you know, get down here, and the ushers are lining them up, you know. And, and I'm over on this side. they got a center aisle up the church, you know, and I'm way over here on this side, and I'm laying hands on the sick, and all of a sudden I hear a, a rolling commotion from the back of the church that's slowly rolling forward. People on the back row are screaming, shouting, crying, dancing, flopping, going over the back of the pew. I mean, everything's going on. You understand? And I'm thinking, well, something's happening, but I don't know what. Well, finally, I, 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 I abandoned the healing line. Just be sick a little longer. We'll get back to you. Don't die. Give me two minutes. So I go and stand in the middle to look and see, and I don't get quite to the middle. She's almost coming around, see? So I look, and here she is, the spinal bifida girl with no crutches, walking down the aisle. She's not sprinting, no, but she's walking, you know, down the aisle, you know? Well, the whole church has gone bananas because they know her. You know, if she'd have been just a visitor or something, and that would have been great, but they wouldn't have even known, well, what is this about? Maybe she's just weak. They know this is impossible. Well, the pastor's wife, she gets the microphone. She says, Brother Horton, can I explain what's happening? I said, please do. She's crying. She said, this girl was born in our church. She's 22 years old. 23, I think. 23 years old. She was born in our church. Doctors told her she'd never walk. And just out of sheer determination, she's able to move around on these crutches. But tonight, she's walking without them, a total impossibility. There was a lady in the healing line. You know, the one I abandoned, and I said, don't die, give me two minutes. She said, lay your stinking hands on me, I'm ready. She was a little inspired, you know. All right, you know. I turned into Shambach or somebody. In the name of Jesus, you know, I'm, I'm inspired too. Hey, praise God, we got a good healing here. We'll milk that for all we can get. Don't ever let a great miracle go to waste, praise the Lord. I mean, get everybody healed. You understand? That girl was healed, man. She went home. Then the associate pastor comes up. He's a mess. <laughs> you know, he can hardly talk. He's telling what she told him before the service. We got the whole story. It was glorious. And I mean, people testified that night of everything. God poured out his blessing. Now, here's the cool thing. The next day, I go to lunch with the pastor and his wife. You know, they take you someplace and eat. And uh, we're sitting there talking. And... He said, now let me tell you the story you didn't know. How many want to hear the part B? said, my daughter-in-law 
or it was either the daughter or the daughter-in-law, I forget, doesn't matter, but, you know, a member of the family had died of, uh, of uh, complications, you know, due to asthma, you know, or something like an inhaler thing or something like that. But anyway, or in the, I think she was diabetic. She had a lot of problems, believe in God, but she died, you know, young age. She just up and died from this condition and said that was four years ago. And since that time, we haven't been able to pray the prayer of faith in this church. Said now I've had he said I've had some of the best healing evangelists and I knew who it had. It's a good sized church, you know. Had had some of the best healing evangelists in. Nothing against them, but said they'd preach the house of fire, but get to the healing line and nothing happened. There couldn't be any faith. And and, and I asked the people, what's wrong? They said, well, if you if you're a member of your pastor's family can't get healed, where does that leave us? That's where they were. It was a stronghold in that church. You know, a whole church can have a stronghold. A church can be gripped by a spirit of doubt and unbelief or poverty or whatever else, right? Did you know that? Can God just corporately be there? Nothing spooky. I'm just say, saying it happens, you know. Maybe everybody's just thinking the same thing. And it was, it was, where was the problem? Was it some demon? Had, no, it was in the mind. Everybody thought this, see. You follow me. And uh, praise God, I tell you. God did that great mighty miracle. It broke that thing off that church. It broke that thing off that church. Glory to God. And uh, I, I talked to them later and I said, how's your healing ministry at the church? Oh, just booming. People get healed every week now. Jesus prevailed. Amen. Well. One more little story. You remember the blind Bartimaeus story we just read? We were in India. I was in India with a friend. It was really his crusade, but I was a part of it. You know, I was in, a participant. And we were preaching the gospel. Now, we had a stadium full of people in this one area, you know, remote. This is a guy that does mass meetings. And there's a stadium full of people. And... Um, the local government official had been threatened by some of the Hindus that if you let this gospel meeting go on, we're going to burn down your house, do something to your family. And, and these were people that this was not an idle threat, you understand. They would do it. And so he came to them and he was the head, chief of the police or something. He said, no meeting tonight. Not going to have it. And no matter no matter what the guy was with, his name was Jerry. He said, I'm, "I'll go talk. Let me talk to the man." He said, "Jesus will protect you." He said, "I don't know. I don't know. This is bad." So he said, "Well, can we make an announcement that we're going to move the meeting to the street?" There was a little, like Nazarene church, a little tiny mission, you know, up the street, and they had a wall. Oh. Maybe about as tall as this exactly, this stage here, little wall. And it was only about a foot wide, 18 inches maybe, a little wall, a little block wall. And that was going to become our platform. We must have had 40,000 people in that stadium. And we're on this little wall. And somebody rigged one big giant light bulb 
you know, all the, all the, every insect in, in the subcontinent came to that light bulb. They had bugs as big as this iPad case, you know, hitting you right in the face, you know. You didn't want to hold your mouth open too long. You could have extra protein that night. We've got one light bulb. We're on the wall. We've got our sound speakers hooked up. This took a few, a couple of hours to move the crowd and to get this reset. And so we got these speakers and, you know, these big, these big tall column things. But they could go way out. Now, the crowd went up the street and up, went every street. You couldn't see where it started, where it ended. It was an amazing night. And we begin to tell those of us preaching, Brother Jerry, who was his name, and myself, we begin to preach the blind Bartimaeus story, Mark 10:46. And as we're preaching, we notice, because, you know, we're really dra- dramatizing it, you know, Jesus, you know, we're really, really getting into it, dramatizing it, you know, for the people. It's being translated into the Tamil language and We've noticed a commotion way back in the crowd and the commotion's moving closer. And as you look, there's this old man, this old Indian man, white hair, white beard. He's got on the traditional garb, sort of of the common people, just a white cotton shirt, long shirt and pants. You understand, sandals. That's it. That's what everybody wears. And and you can tell by his eyes that he's and the way he's acting, he's probably blind. His eyes are all glazed over, like milk glass. And as we're preaching about blind Bartimaeus, those kind words about Jesus having mercy, that old man, I can see it, I can see it, I can hear the sounds, I can smell the smells of that night. Feel the heavy humidity of that area and the giant bugs flying around. And that man, that old man, he's rude. He's he's not he he he's on a mission. He's elbowing people, pushing through the crowd. And as we're preaching, Jesus have mercy and all that, we looked, and he's reaching, and, and we're thinking he's coming to the platform, but he's going to where the loudspeakers are because he's blind. He's reaching out to those kind words. He's reaching out to the grace of God. And he gets to that loudspeaker. And he touched it. He put his hands all over it. He was putting his hands on those words of deliverance. And those words of mercy. And when he did... He shouted out, I can see, you know, in his language, said, said, that man's seeing, he's seeing, he's looking and pointing at people and laughing. We had him, we got him up on our wall. We didn't have a platform. We had a wall. We got him up on the wall and we tested him and he could see. And there were people that testified he was truly blind, instantly delivered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He knew he needed mercy. He was even rude and got his healing. 
you know. Did you ever notice this? We're going to minister to you here in a minute. Do we have any, got any singers or musicians still here? Any, anybody come help us? Got a few folks. If not, it's all right, but maybe we do. Because um, we're going to worship a bit. Did you ever notice that, you know, you got blind Bartimaeus? You got the woman with the issue of blood? How many know there's other Bible stories, many, of those who came to Jesus? Did you know that Jesus never once asked them if there was any sin in their life? Did you know He never once asked them if they were a member of the synagogue in good standing? It wasn't a church yet, you understand. Did you know He never asked them about the Ten Commandments? Do you know he never said, now I detect there's sin in your life. Be willing to repent and then I'll heal you. In fact, the man that was led in on the roof by the four, Jesus said, thy sins be forgiven thee. And the Pharisees got upset, remember? And he said, which is easier to say? Thy sins be forgiven thee or rise, take up your bed and walk. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is all about the miracle. All about the wholeness. All about the healing. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's just stand up together. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you need a touch from God tonight, a healing, a miracle, you need anything like that, come forward. And just stand down here. Now, you know, we're not making a healing line. We're not making a healing line. We're just a healing mob is what I want. Amen. You understand that? Just a group. Glory to God. Now, you might be standing back there and you say, well, I, you know, I don't really need a healing, but I just want to get in, get in on something. You can come too. Everybody can come, really. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now His healing power has already begun. How many can say that you've already sensed His touch tonight? You've already, you know something's in the works. Amen. And then I I want you just to worship Him. Put your hand where you have a need. If you, you know, have a specific spot or place. Jesus is here. He's touching you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship. Let's sing something that lifts up the name of Jesus. I don't know. Amen. Go ahead. Receive your healing.